You're listening to the Burst Ball Podcast. Burst Ball, talking up the Scottish game. Hello, you're listening to the Burst Boss Scottish Football Podcast with me, your host, Hamish Carton. Joining me today in the studio, I'm delighted to announce we have Connor Park, Ross Clark and Callum Fisher. Guys, it was a big weekend of Scottish football action. What did you make of it? Yeah, quite enjoyed it. Good sports scene last night. Not too much not I've, too much chat between I've things. So, Kind of not seen sports scene, but say that quietly. Um but hopefully I'll still be able to contribute to this podcast in my same way as always, Callum. Mm. Well, just on sports scene, uh, Lewis, obviously other member of the pod, was ranting about it on Twitter, so it seems it was... Lewis was, was it, ranting about something? Was it because he mentioned Celtic? And No, it, well, it, it, he doesn't like Connie McLaughlin, that part. He doesn't like the way it's produced, and then he got really angry about Celtic, and I kind of stopped looking at his Lewis future tweet. production team of sports scene. Heard it here first. He's quite an angry boy, isn't he? Um, Anyway, at the weekend, we had lots of action. We had Aberdeen won a game, hip, hip, hooray. We had Hearts continue their terrific run. Inverness got a surprise win at Fir Park. Dundee. surprise. Mm, We'll come on to that later on. You can get your opinion across. Uh, Dundee drew with Partick Thistle. Who called that one? Oh, yes, me. St. Johnson beat Kelly. Uh, That was all in the Premiership, of course. Celtic, of course, obviously winning yesterday as well. Uh, up in the Highlands, we'll come on to that game as well. Championship, lots of good action there that we'll come to. And Leagues 1 and 2. Um, Connor, what did what did you make of the action at the weekend? Were you pleased with the stuff you saw? I was very much so. Um, I thought, I mean, I, I watched sports scene last night and, well, this morning and uh, I thought it was, it was it was decent. I thought there was a couple of good games in there. I thought the Premiership, there was a couple of draws in there as well, which kind of goes either way and it probably just proves what we said on Friday about the tightness of the league um, mm. in there close matches as well scoreline wise but no it was good it was an interesting weekend across all the leagues at the top and the bottom um, and some big wins and results across all four leagues yep well we're going to we're going to start in a place that I don't think anyone's ever started before it's at Perth because St Johnson have won four games in a row and they are on fire they're, they're fourth in the league they're playing out of their skin, um, here's a fact for you. St Johnson, and this is quite an incredible one, they've now scored 29 goals this season in the league. That is only five games, five goals short of their total tally for the whole of last season in the league and have only played 14 games. Why this season, Connor, are they scoring so many compared to last season? What's changed? It's a strange one because probably in the face of it, not an awful lot. Um, they've added a wee bit up front, um, I think they've got a player in behind there, and, and Chris Kane as well. I think he came on the weekend and scored. Yeah, and he's Angle. done. He's done it very, very well uh, in the lower leagues and the championship in particular. And now he's getting his chance up there. Um, they're a team that you know, much as a muchness to teams that do have success, they've kept a squad together um, fairly reasonably for a couple of years now, and they've built and they're going at it. It's testament to Tommy Wright. Um, and in fairness, you know they, they deserve to be where they are. In terms of the goals, I think 
there's been a lot of contributions from all over, which helps um, in terms of the quality up front, but they've also got people who are, are helping in behind and you know, it's a testament to what they're doing up there that, that they have scored so many goals and they've won so many games and it can only improve, it can only get better and I think it will. We were talking last week, Ross, about how well um, Tommy Knight has done this year. Maybe talk that he was unlucky uh, not to get the October Manager of the Month award that went to Ronnie Dyla instead. Uh, yeah, well, talk Tommy Knight up a wee bit because the job he's done there this season, I mean, not just this season, of course, the big stuff was about winning the Scottish Cup year before last, but I mean, this season he's possibly been there, I mean, every year they seem to come out of nowhere, but this season especially I've thought, suddenly St Johnson are in fourth in the league and they're only just behind Hearts and Aberdeen when you look at it really it's been a hell of a start to the season for them bearing in mind they're still in the cup as well yeah definitely it'll be interesting to see who they get in the cup and hopefully they can do well in that but overall it's been it's been brilliant for them um, I think we were writing them off at the start of the season myself and Connor um, saying when was the kind of steam train going to run out run out its course but I think it's testament to Tommy Wright I mean when he came in not many people had really heard of him Um He's come in. He's really cemented his place, um, and he's done. He's done a really good job to get that group of players together. A group of players on paper, who yeah, there's some decent individual players, but they don't look great. But somehow they've they've gelled as a team, um, and it's really showing itself now. I think I think they've pretty much cemented that that fourth place. You think so this early on in the season? Yeah, I think. I know. Obviously, County are still there, but five point gap just now. Um, so I think that. I think St John's are just going to go from strength to strength and I think they could probably push for third. Yeah, well in terms of the game on Saturday, Callum 2-1 they beat Kilmarnock. The difference in the game seemed to be that St Johnson took their chances when Kelly didn't. Uh, Kelly took the lead through um, Smith, Smith. Smith with a nice weekend of glancing header. A good goal actually, a really good goal. Um, and then St Johnson came back with goals from O'Halloran and Kane. Uh, i talk about O'Halloran first, a wee bit of chat. I know we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago that he, could maybe be in line for a wee Scotland call-up. What are your thoughts on that? Um, possibly. I think it's a good time in terms of the national team to maybe explore options that we haven't maybe seen um, within the setup uh, so far going into the next campaign. In terms of O'Halloran, um, he seems to be quite keen to stay at St Johnson, which will obviously be pleasing for, for their supporters. And to an extent, probably will be good for um, Scotland because obviously St Johnson are doing well. Uh, they're in the top four of the league. Uh, they're in the League Cup semi-finals. And, you know, he is impressing and getting a lot of attention. So, you know, it, it really is all positive at the moment for St Johnson. It's really hard to find anything that you can kind of, um, you can find fault with. That, yeah. that, that first goal, that O'Halloran goal was... Was such a good team goal, mm. Sparky. You've seen it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It was brilliant, wasn't it? It was mm-hmm. just everything about it. It was just a brilliant team goal, um, and calmly finished by Halloran as well. It was just a really nice goal. I go, I go back to what I said on on Friday um, in terms of looking at the fixtures this weekend. And I was saying that there is a, there was a chance here for St. Johnson that if they could win, um, that there was likelihood was for me that Ross County and Hamilton wouldn't. Now you need to take those chances, and you, if you want to be Finishing up there, these are the, the kind of gaps in, in the market like we need to exploit and, and push yourself ahead. And essentially they've done that by going five points ahead of the two Ross County Hamilton behind them, who have had fantastic starts, but are slowly but surely starting to drop off. Yeah. Um, and I spoke again about Ross County on Friday, um, about how you know suddenly after his run, that'll be a couple, two or three games out of win. Um, and when you look at it, I mean, they're now in a kind of group where 
St Johnson, from where we're going, is saying you're Ross County and Hamilton are excelling ahead. They've dropped back down. St Johnson have replaced them, but there's now for me like a couple of weeks time. I need to look at it again, obviously, because we're still very early in the relative early parts of the season. But could these teams get sucked right down to the bottom half of the bottom six? I don't see why not, because right now they're only four points. Ahead of Motherwell, and and that's the thing. A couple of games without a win, and that's what happens. Yeah, let's hear what Tommy Wright had to say after the game on Saturday. I actually missed the goal because I was getting changed, and uh, with the Remembrance Day stuff, I got and changed in my tracksuit and came out. We're one 0 down. Uh, it wasn't a good start, but uh, and today wasn't wasn't pretty at times. But we showed uh, a side that we've we've got a real quality that when you don't play particularly well, you can uh, still win games, and that's what we did. Um, Defend it. I thought second half we'd played a lot better uh, than we did first half and got the goal. And really, it was just balls in the box we had to deal with, and we dealt with them most of them. I can't remember Alan have too many difficult saves to make. So, in, in what wasn't a pretty game, uh, we got the right result. Ross, you had something to add there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, all the focus is on Michael Howden, um, but I think you've got a couple of key players who get almost underlooked on that side, I think. Talking about your Brian Easton's, you know your your Dave Mackay and of course Stephen McLean, who's who's been excellent. We're, um, we're calling them reliable players. We're doing them a insert without a service, doubt. I sorry. Think, I think Dave Mackay's just he's honestly one of the most underrated players. He he, he just he strolls through games. Um, he's so composed in the ball and he's a leader as well. Same with Brian Easton and obviously Stephen McLean's been kicking about for a while now, but you can see he's still got it. For me. It's not been disrespectful to them, I don't think. I think there's maybe one or two standouts, and then after that, it's just a strong team. Um, I think they've got a core there which is good, but and, I, and this doesn't mean I mean Dave McKay's doing to John's a good service, and I'm just using him as an example. I don't think he's outstanding, but what they've got there is they've embedded them um, into a system that the team works around, and it's a, a system that they're, they're used to, to play with now because. There's a familiar familiarity about the <laughs> I know about the St. Johnson team at the moment in terms of you're starting to see likes of well, your Manises that have always been there, Easton's been there a wee while now, um Scobie, McLean's even been there a while, that's Halloran his second season, isn't it? Um yeah. so you do get used to kind of seeing them and that's what essentially makes a team hard to beat because they know exactly what kind of runs at Ford you're going to make, they know what the weaknesses are because everything has their weaknesses but if they can work together to, to, to kind of cover that up then that's how they're going to progress up the table and they're just, to me, seem like overall, um, without having too many standouts, a really strong team to play against and it's like what Tommy Wright alluded to, it will be tough to beat um, and can win ugly and that's the big thing. Um, they might not, and they probably won't for me be that, be in a, a race with Hearts or Aberdeen but they will be the best of the rest and because probably they're that ugly side to them that develops through being able to grind their results and win over time Final predictions for where St Johnson will finish this season yet as you say as early on in the season I'll go fourth Look at the table I, I, I don't think anybody else below them now is going to No I don't think so um, come back up so it would have to be fourth I don't think they've got quite enough to Yeah Excel above. Yeah, I think they're. I think fourth um, is where they'll finish. I think they'll be too. I good think that's a fantastic achievement for them. Yeah, no, definitely it is. I mean, it's been a, a wonderful start to the season, but I don't think we should be surprised that St Johnson are there anymore. I mean, the team he's built there. Um, maybe you could argue with the, the fan base and stuff like that. They shouldn't be there, if you know what I mean. As mm. harsh as that sounds, because it's a hell of a job he's done. 
Um, I just think they're they're a really really good team, and they just they win games. Our fans seem to stick with them as well. When they go behind, there's a kind of belief there with the fans. The fans think we believe in this team. We think they can come back and get a result. That also comes similar to you say players over time. That comes to like the fans seeing these players produce the results over time. That when you get used to that, you're at home. Um, I would be quite right. I think the St Johnson fans are quite right to think you know when a team such as you, your kind of bottom half of the league, those teams, teams below them come, that they will have enough to come back from that. And that's something that you can only earn and have that belief over time. And that's what they've done. They've, they've, it's all progression. Even look at the management structure. It's gone from Lomas to his assistant and Tommy Wright. And it goes all the way back. And that was the players that were there then. And, OK, they've added, some have left, some have changed. But there's a core there that, that have continued to improve. And, and that's what happens. You build it and... The idea is they come, and that's the only problem. That's the only thing missing with St. Johnson now. They've built a team. They've built a, a really good, strong, competitive Scottish top table outfit. And the idea would be that the crowds would be going up. And that's the only thing missing from that club is maybe having your crowds of five, 6,000, which, let's not deny it, though that team deserves. Yeah, and, but no doubt we mean you'll write them off at the start of next season. <laughs> but the, I think that's because they're an easy team to write off in many ways. Because uh, you do think... Nah, I'll not be making that mistake next year. I'm not yeah. making that mistake. Let's uh, have a look at the Kelly side of things then and hear from their manager, Gary Locke, obviously um, less happy than Tommy Wright, who we just heard from. Uh, very similar to last week, you know, but obviously we get the goal ahead, playing some great stuff um, and certainly felt we, we, looked, we looked a better team. As you say, we created a few chances, didn't they take them? And, uh, you know, that was the difference between the two sides. You know, I think you saw there St Johnston, they got a couple of chances in their clinical. Would you criticise the defence maybe for the, the first goal, maybe an opportunity to get rid of the ball there? Yeah, without a doubt, um, you know, we, we, we make our own mistakes. You know, we've got possession of the ball, we give it away and then they counter on us and score. Um, and even the second goal as well, you know, we've got two men out against one. Uh, we've got to make sure the cross doesn't come into the box. So, you know, if we can cut out the, the individual errors that, we, that we've made today, um, you know, we'll give a better sell, ourselves a better chance of winning games. Kilmarnock leapfrogged by Inverness, Kelly now ninth in the league table. It's a couple of weeks in a row that I think they've dominated games, Callum, and they've, they've failed to get results. Motherwell last week and then St Johnson there on Saturday. Is that a bit of a, a worry for, for Gary Locker or are they still going in the right direction under him? Um, I mean, I think with, with Kilmarnock it was always going to be a bit up and down. Um, obviously we saw at the start of the season how you know down it was and then they've obviously had that, that boost and now... You know, as you say, they, they do seem to be dominating games. They had their chances. McGuinness and, and Boyd, um, by all accounts, um, missed a fantastic chance. Um, you know, when he came on, I, I think they will be okay. I think there's, as we've said before, there's worse teams um, than them. I, I don't think they're in any danger of getting uh, sucked into any sort of relegation, you know, slash playoff trouble. Um, and I just think it's just, this is just going to be the kind of killie we're going to have to get used to this season. You know, they'll 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 win certain games, obviously, and then they'll have results like this, and they'll sort of float between maybe ninth and and seventh that kind of that area. I don't, I'm unsure about whether they'll go for, you know, they're good enough to get um, into the top six this season, but it remains to be seen. When you look at the start to the season, they've made Ross. They have. Uh 15 points from 14 games, a goal difference of minus 9. The way we were tipping them at the start of the season, if you were to sum up their season so far in kind of relation to the expectations we'd set or maybe they'd set for them, I know for a fact they were looking for top 6 at the start of the season. How how would you judge that those first kind of quarter of the season? Well, I think I think with the players that they, they brought in, 
I think everyone's expecting them to do a wee bit better than what they're what they're doing, especially. But I mean, you've got to look at the start they made. The start they made was was nothing short of awful, um, really, really poor. And but you've got you've got to look at it from the outside. Obviously, if you if you'd missed all the action up to now, and we're looking at the table now, you'd be thinking, okay, they're they're, they're not great. You know, they're not in a great situation, but. If you were to look at them compared to a couple of months ago, you'd be saying, well, they've picked up a wee bit. Um, certainly they'll be looking to go on from here, but I think you've got teams that will be breathing down their neck, as Connor pointed to earlier. Um, I think you've got you've got Partick, you've got Motherwell there. Partick are still obviously sitting down in that reali- uh, in the playoff place, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Kelly getting sucked in there, especially if they go one or two games in the bounce without a result. I think for me... Um, they're missing. I know, I know it sounds daft when you get Chris Boyd there, but they're missing a real goal scorer. Um, I think you know this is nothing against Josh McGuinness because he's done very, very well in recent times. But we all know that throughout his career, he's had kind of bit part um, sprees where he scored goals and and then he, he lost it again. And no doubt he's a confidence player, but I just feel they, they need somebody else up there with him that will just consistently. Um, a similar player to McGuinness in many ways, but just one that's got that wee bit more consistency about him. McGuinness um, got pace, he's got power, and and Boyd's a finisher in many ways. But I just feel there's one wee kind of somebody kind of in many ways like a a, a nippy kind of striker that would get in about, but can also can also finish. I just think there's mi- they're missing I, goals there. I disagree. I don't think that's the problem. I think I think McGuinness has improved massively. I, I, what I'm saying, what I mean is, I don't think it's necessarily. Going forward, it's a problem. I think they're scoring goals. Um, I think maybe the problem is more so looking back the way towards the defence. The defence has been a major worry for them, and uh, I think it's been pointed out before. Jimmy McDonald saved them from a lot of absolute doings. So I think you've got to look more at the defence. I think goals are going to take care of themselves. I've got enough quality in that midfield and uh, going forward to get goals. I don't think it's goals that are the problem. I think it's at the other end. We'll move on now um, to a team that's won their first game in seven matches. That's Aberdeen. They remain in third place, but it was a victory for them at the weekend in the new firm derby against Dundee United, a team themselves that now have one win in 12 matches. We start with Aberdeen, though, and a good uh, return to winning ways for them, Connor, and it never really looked in doubt, did it? No, it did not. Um, I think, you know, these can be the games that can kickstart something again I mean Derby um, with the pressure that's on kind of probably both managers actually run to it um, to, to get results at opposite ends of the table and and they got the win it was uh, I mean it's, it's a hard one because it's not the Derby that it probably used to be in terms of um, level competitiveness in the game they used to be neck and neck at certain points um, and now I just feel that <laughs> you can't take anything from Aberdeen but Dundee United are a team that really need to sort themselves out um, but no massive massive win for, for for Aberdeen and Derek McInnes you could see even I think I mean obviously I'm relying on watching goals that come in but they did it cut to one point after the first goal and you can see just how happy uh, the whole Aberdeen bench was to yeah. get that lead because um, they need it they need a win like that and as I say just in, in a wee derby or a bigger fixture with that wee bit more heat and about it that one win could be the thing that kind of sparks it. And only time will tell. Um, but they're in a right battle there for, for second and third with Hearts. I think that could be very, very interesting go right to the wire. Um, but but massive for them that they got the win. And in terms of Dundee United in the bottom, where does it where does it stop? You know, where does the rot 
kind of come to an end it's because not, it just they're not, they're not scoring goals it's got 10 goals in 14 games that's just that's rotten that, that is relegation form yeah um, and as much as it sounds daft to, to call a team like United to have done so well in recent years your relegation candidates but I mean it just it how, doesn't how, how sound daft forward. anymore because no, well, that's we're now getting to mid-November almost that's what I was going to go on and say I mean I spoke about it oh couple of months ago when, when, when Hamilton were right up as a Ross County and I'm saying well you know there was a time six seven years ago where it was done United with the team that were down the bottom uh, and they built themselves and they developed their own players and they brought players in and spent a bit of money and they got themselves up there as the time's changing is, is Dundee United going back to that kind of time where we are just going to be used to seeing them in the bottom six of the Premiership as again it's, it's something that we can't possibly predict sitting here just now um, but it's certainly something that's, that's, that's not insurmountable um, and it'll be interesting to see big big job there for Mixu to try and turn it around and but he's certainly got the ideas and he's got the mentality to do it I can't imagine a team of Mixu Patalians getting relegated um, but it looks like they could maybe have to even settle for a playoff but I'm sure right now if you're a United fan you might even just take that Yeah, personally speaking I think that uh it could be a tough one for him to turn around. It just, I mean, he's obviously got the January transfer window to bring in the players. I mean, he might bring in the kind of players he brought in at Kelly. I mean, the player who, know, who knew of Eremenko before he signed him. Players like that that he knows from his, his Finland time. He might look at players like that. But if he's got that squad and that squad only, I don't see any way that he's staying up with them. I mean, I just... I just they're, they're such underperformers. They've been, they've been a laughing stock this season, to be totally honest. I mean, a team that did so well last season got to a cup final... Um, you can you can point to the excuse of them losing Armstrong, Mackay, Stephen, Chief Chain, Robertson, and Gold from the season before, but that just that simply doesn't wash for me. I mean, you still get a nucleus of a half decent team there, and they're sitting with eight points from fourteen games. Are the massive massive underachievers this season? I just don't know kind of where he goes and what he does to turn it around. I mean, you were talking about Kelly, where were their flaws? It's clear to see Dundee United's flaws are with scoring goals, but they're also conceding goals. I mean, six at Parkhead, three at uh, Easter Road a couple of weeks ago, or sorry, last week. Um, they're they're in, in real dire yeah, straits well, at the they've moment. Got the, they've got the worst goal difference by eight goals, so that tells you a lot as well. I mean, minus 18 goals for a team like Dundee United. Another thing that strikes me is it doesn't seem as if the fans are going to really come out and back him. It feels like he needs to get some results before the fans are going to come out. Mm. We saw that game, I think his first home game against Hearts, a dire attendance, dire atmosphere. They're really down at the moment and they're almost there waiting on the team picking the fans up rather than the other way around. It's probably just because it's something they're not used to. Um, I mean... Probably doesn't help that Dundee, for all their feelings, are 10 points clear. I, exactly, and I mean, that's the thing, in that city, I mean, of course, there's people that pin their... Alliances to 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 one of the two, but you you would do get folk that would, generally speaking, if both teams were doing well, would go to Dens Park one week and Tan Dice the next, because they just like football and, and it's on offer for them at high quality. Um, but there's massive issues. I mean, if, when you think back to the kind of the old style relegation battles, when you had Dundee down there when the recent resurgence, Dunfermline, Falkirk, even St Mirren to an extent, in the years when they were just staying up. The crowds were there and, and back in the team and it just seems to be going down and down and down. The lift needs to come from somewhere, whether it's a signing, whether it's a result. Um, but I think it's going to take more than that. And it's interesting you talk about signings in January. He's got a dilemma in many ways because he could go for the type of players like your your, your Finnish boys that he, he knows and has probably worked with before. But then they need to come in and adapt to the Scottish game. 
Dundee United have time to allow signings to adapt. No, they don't. They need to get people that can come in and do the job and start it right away uh, to save themselves. And, and then, so then you're looking at maybe more experienced players within the Scottish game. But then the question you have to ask to that is, well, who? Who, who are you going to entice? You're not going to entice a, anybody from a Premiership team that's above them to come down and you're relying on them in the Championship. But then you even look at, again, their signings in the summer. They signed one of probably the best centre-backs in the Championship last year from Queen of the South and they're leaking so many goals. So it's such a dilemma to try and get your head around and, I mean, only Mixley will know how he's going to approach it. <laughs> I mean, time will tell. They just seem too... At one point, they seemed too big to go down, but we say it every year. We had it with Mullerwell, we had it with Hibs. No team now is too big, and it's because of teams like your Ross County, St Johnston's and Hamilton's are doing so well that traditionally would have been first division teams. Yeah, well, we'll move on across the, the city um, to Dundee. They got a, a battling 1-1 draw with Partick Thistle on Saturday. A result that, um, I don't know, did you guys see that one coming? I was I actually felt Partick would get a result because I just think Dundee actually aren't that good a side, as I've said before. Uh, it was a late Keane Hemmings goal that gave the the, the Tayside club a, a point. Um, that's, I mean, Dundee were booed off at pitch at half time by the fans that maybe goes a long way to, to showing how their fans are feeling about the way they're currently playing and to be honest I draw it home to Partick Thistle for the, the team Dundee have got isn't great well I mean they're not, they're not in a terrible position um, when you look at it they're sitting you know they're sitting seventh but they're not far off being you know fifth it's it's so tight in that league but equally you know you look down the table and they could they could quite easily drop down a few places it's very tight. Um, a, cu- a couple of results away from you know climbing up that table. I think I don't think they're a poor side. I think that's a bit unfair. Um, I, honestly, I, th- I think they can beat anyone at that at home, um, and they're, they're not too bad going away. The, I think we've got high expectations of them after last year, um, and I think that we need to kind of manage those expectations because realistically, where are you expecting Dundee to finish? You know what I mean? I just. I think they're probably sitting where whereabouts you would expect them. Um, obviously, they they can pick up, but for for a side of their size, I think they're they are round about where I'd expect them to be. Um, and if they were to finish seventh, that would be that would be a, a decent season for me. It's interesting listening to Paul Hartley's comments afterwards, or or reading them more. So he was saying, you know, he was really really pleased that his side stuck to passing the ball. Um, and and this whole you know we pass the ball we pass the ball we pass the ball and we don't we don't ever compromise that um, and that was <laughs> one of these ones at home getting beat off a team like Part of this so I mean that's the difference to me to them to St Johnston because I just feel like say, St Johnston would would go for that would just say right to hell with us let's get it forward and let's get it some and St Johnston in my opinion would go on and win a game like that. Um, and that's why they're essentially a wee bit below. Not because they play good football, because because that's obviously not true. They, they they do play good football, and that's a testament to them. But sometimes you just need to <coughs> to grind out results. I don't. I don't think that team are capable of doing it. And I don't think that's exactly what I'm saying. I just don't think they've got that kind of mentality to change a game, to 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 change tactically, um, to go for it, and and to grind out a result. I just haven't seen that yet, and that for me is a difference because they're both great footballing teams. And it's great that they, they kept passing the ball to the end. But for me, I just feel that like St Johnston would have went for it and grinded it out. On you know, the second half, the pressure we put on them, the intensity of our play was, was, was good. Um, so I'm, I'm disappointed. I think you know, 
we feel it's another two points dropped. I thought the first half our shape was good and we weren't too deep and we were hitting them in the break and it suited us really well. But the second half I thought we, we camped in um, and didn't want to do that. Yeah, Dundee are the home team, they're going through everything that is, which they did do. But um, you see the last five minutes really opened up and it could have went either way. Partick Thistle then have kind of continued their, their recent resurgence under Alan Archibald who we just heard from there. However, I think we all agree their next four fixtures are going to make or break their season. They've got Inverness, Kelly, Motherwell and Dundee United coming up and that is really... I mean, what, what kind of target should they be setting for those four games in terms of points? Maybe maybe <laughs> two, two, three wins? Because I mean, if you look at them all, I, mean, I, I know Inverness... Inverness, Kelly, Motherwell and Dundee United those are the teams if you want to stay in the league that you really have to take points against the teams that are around you I think I would say at least two wins yeah I think well five points I think you think five out of twelve is good enough from those <laughs> games See, it's different you, you can think of four games and say five points but when you consider what that would do to teams mm. and about them it would be bridging mm. gaps that they are going to struggle to for me it has to be at least two I would actually say they're three. looking Three, I, think, I, think, I think three wins. Maybe not a must in terms of. Like I would say a must too, but they would probably should be targeting three. If they want to move up the league, I think they need to win three of them. Uh-huh. If they want to move up the league and be clear of relegation, I think they need to win three. If they of want them. To what, what, do you use, tr- what do you use realistically see as a, a good finish for Dundee? For Dundee, yeah. um, I think, well, if you're talking about Dundee, I think probably the bottom of the top six. Uh, if you're talking about Partick, maybe finish 10th or so. Well, Dundee, I, I honestly think that's where they're going to be. I, I don't just now. Look, this is this is their, their position. I can't see this expectation of them finishing higher. I just, so do, do you think they should be finishing below Ross County and Hamilton? Well, County and Hamilton have had special seasons. Dundee had their special season last year. Special, well, this is the thing. Special half this season. Quarter seasons, quarter seasons. This is it. We're starting to see a decline. Um, minimal, but this is what I'm saying. The points difference is... It's, I did... I'm not going to give the whole I told you so, but uh, I did say but about a month so, ago... Yeah. I did, I said, I said <laughs> these teams... Uh, more so Hamilton than us but I did see that gap going to start to close because I just they can't maintain that and it's not because they're bad they're, they're, they're good teams and they're playing well it's just you can't expect a team like that to, to constantly because they aren't truly when you compare the squads they are neck and neck with your Dundies and all that sort of t- they're all around about that level um, and, and that's where I think it was going to even up um, <laughs> it's, a t- it's a tough one but I do genuinely still believe that Dundee are the team that should be aiming to finish in that top six. Mm. And I, I just don't think you can argue. For me, it's a strike force that does it. There's no, there's no team that, that that's competing with them when you compare squads that's got this, that level of strike force. I made, I made that point on Friday that I actually think, I mean, I know Celtic play one striker, so do um, Aberdeen, uh-huh. but I think when you look at strike forces... Possibly, there's probably not a better. So, so and Wanma possibly, but I mean, even then, you're playing one of them out in the wing sometimes. But I mean, in terms of strike forces, Loy and and Hemans, I don't think with Stewart and behind, you need it's a pretty, pretty tantalising prospect. And I think that's why I've been so disappointed because you look at their team sheet and even at defence, you look at uh, the left back Holt, James McPake, as I said, captain the Hibs a few years ago, um, Scott Bain, one of the best keepers kicking about, uh, and they've, I just think they're underachieving. That, that that's essentially where I come from in, in many ways, and I think that 
and that and that's <laughs> you can't make, I mean Hamilton no disrespect to them but they just they are doing really really well and deserve massive amounts of credit for that but on paper the squad is in my opinion less than that of Dundee um, Ross County a bit of debate there um, but I still think that, in my opinion just taking away obviously you've got Boyce up front for Ross County they probably are, are similar Boyce and Graham they're really dangerous as well um, but the rest of the team behind that I do slightly think Dundee could at least be very much on par with that and and right now they're just a wee bit behind but I'm, I could start to see that to change It goes to the point you said earlier though about Dundee being able to, to grind out results was that Ross sorry that said that, no, that. I, I just don't know if uh, they, they can whereas I think Ross County will and Ross County have proven that and I mean you can talk about players all you want but it's quite often it's about Teams. Team, aye, and that's essentially where St Johnson, as I've alluded to earlier, have got their success because it's a team that's playing there. Dundee have got a fantastic group of individuals, but as you say, in many ways, I think sometimes, and I can't comment too much because I'm not seeing them enough this year, but I just get the overall impression maybe it's a wee bit too pretty at times um, because they have got very, very talented individual players that like to play on the ball, um, and that in many ways might just go against them. Maybe they need a wee bit of a tough nut in there. Um, you've got McPake that does well and, and all that but just a wee bit um, fire and energy which I would actually expect to see more so from them at home when they've got that big kind of crowd at the dense part behind them which let me tell you make a hell of a racket um, and especially in that stand where the camera is underneath that you know when that gets going that's a really intimidating place to go I just think the whole place needs to be lifted and Joe, it could just be something as simple as getting a win and getting above Ross County and Hamilton that that it all just clicks and it happens for them yep well we'll move to Fur Park now Inverness first win in five games moves them up to eighth in the league table leapfrogging Kilmarnock as we said earlier but for Motherwell Callum it was a bit of a bit of a reality check after a couple of recent good results um, and to be honest it looks uh, it looks it looked a bit like it was playing under Barraclough again that some of that defending especially in the first half of the first couple of Inverness goals it was a bit comical yeah I mean from what I've I've seen of the game Motherwell looked really really poor um, I think I don't think they were happy with a couple of refereeing decisions um, I, I just read here that uh, Connor, all you want, you've not seen the action though have you you didn't see I'm not, I, I must, I've only <sighs> read the match report um, here it's saying that the, the Motherwell keeper Connor Ripley could be in bother after Brandon Craig Thompson uh a, a disgrace. What was the actual? And I feel really unprofessional uh, here that I've not seen the highlights or anything. Penalty kick. First of all, there's questions over the penalty kick, but I think the general consensus was his hand was in an and McManus's hand was in an unnatural position. Um, so penalty was awarded. Um, then for the penalty kick, I can't mind who it was now, but the the Motherwell boy ran into the box along with Inverness player. And there was another couple of boys in the box as well. It, it ran right in front of Craig Thompson. It was so clear. Yeah. Um, so clear. Ordered um, a retake. That's just ordered, basics. Ordered a retake. By the I mean, of it. it's very unusual to see it stopped, but when it's as clear as that, you've got to do something. And I think it, it might quite possibly be the first time that Jonathan Sutherland, Stuart McCall, and Stephen Thompson all agreed on something, and they were all in agreement that it was a correct decision from the referee. So I, I don't understand what the big fuss is. Mark McGee's. Just looking for a scapegoat to a poor performance. Yeah, tweet in here from KT the goalie, our favourite Motherwell fan. He's saying Craig Thompson truly awful refereeing, 
all day at Fir Park. It's obviously difficult for us when we've only seen the highlights. He says standards and consistency, not a lot to ask for. Connor, that's basically all we're asking for as um, managers and uh, pundits and fans is a bit of consistency. Do you feel that's a fair comment to make regarding Saturday's game? I, I very much believe we need to take everything on an individual basis in some ways. Um, but I, I appreciate the, the fact is I just feel like sort of in certain ways, you know, we do see decisions at times where, you know, the same thing happens the week after and it's, and it's not given. Uh, or it is given when it wasn't the week before. I think there's... But we also... I mean, I mean, Ross is going to be shocked here, but we do need to appreciate in many ways that as individuals, and as individuals, we've all got different mindsets and we all see things slightly differently. Um, so in that respect, can you ever expect two people to see things exactly the same way? Probably not. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I can... I, well, I am very harsh critic of referees. Um... But I do feel, and I mean this genuinely, I do feel I only am when I've got reason to be. Um, I can appreciate that, you know, there are individuals, everyone makes mistakes and all that sort of stuff, but I do think there are points where we need to look at it and say, you know, that's not good enough. The same way that we say to managers, that's not good enough. Um, But on a general basis, when you talk about consistency, I don't think you're ever going to see that. Not through um, any fault of referees in many ways, but just purely because we are all going to see things slightly differently. Um, depending, obviously not because the referees who they support that doesn't come into it at all, but in many ways we are, we do just appreciate and 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 see different incidents in different ways. I'll disagree with you, you'll disagree with me, and it's how a referee interprets that, and that's something that probably only an individual can determine. I think I think it's important to you know remember how many how many decisions a referee's got to make in a game. You know, there's, there's so many decisions he's got to. He's got to make so many during a game, and of course there's going to be mistakes. Everyone recognises that. I think it's it's part and parcel of the game, as Sparky touched on. You know, managers are going to make mistakes, players are going to make mistakes, but referees' mistakes are highlighted more than players and managers' mistakes. There's no absolutely no denying that. Um, it's just the the nature of it, and referees understand that. Craig Thompson understands it. You know, every referee understands it, but I. Obviously, I've not seen the rest, the rest of the, the Motherwell game, so I can't comment on the rest of the game. But the incident I certainly saw, I, I felt he got right. Um, certainly, the, the handball, yeah, you can you could maybe argue McManus didn't see it, but it's the whole thing of handball in an unnatural position. Um, obviously, the law's not great over that, but it's just it's one of these things. It's it's the interpretation, as, as Connor says. Um, it's the interpretation of the, of the referee. Um, as to what constitutes a deliberate handball and then it's his interpretation as well which was correct um, of the player entering the box so I, I didn't see what the problem was with that situation obviously as I say I've not seen the rest of the game Let's show a bit of appreciation for that Ian Viger's goal oh, really brilliant I mean against stunning. his old club was that he, a good he goal as it was had, at the weekend? He didn't, he didn't hold back the celebration as well did no, he? No, well, he well, couldn't, would he you couldn't, if it was I like that, that. No. I like that I, I prefer mean, that so da. Oh well you know at the end of the day Football players move on. What's this all? You know, I can understand. I can I can get it if it's like I mean the one I always use is Henrik Larsson coming back to Park Kids. Where I can get that if he's played for seven years and been such a fan's hero. But I think for a player like Vigers, who played at Motherwell for a couple of seasons, um, to go to a new club still in the same league and and score a goal like that, a screamer, I think you're you're perfectly fine. It's I mean, it's all about they say respect. For me, it's respect to the club you're currently playing for, and I've I could never handle. A 
my own player not celebrating a goal. Yeah. It's like uh, I think it was two years ago, Wes Hulahan when uh, Norwich won the Premier League the first time refused to celebrate against Aston Villa because they were linked with them in the January transfer window. I it's just English that football, though. That's why we do a Scottish football podcast. Scottish football's full of nice guys and, and good, uh, honest professionals, unlike the English game. Um, worries for for Inverness, though, mounting up in terms of the the Ryan Christie injury. Worries for Inverness and, of course, the club that he's signed for now, Celtic. I mean, it looked a bit of an awkward one going over. Um, as he kind of he went into block, he looked as if he fell awkwardly in his left leg. Definite worries for Inverness um, at the moment. And I don't mean this in a, in a way against Celtic, but I do think that in terms of Ryan Christie, um, it'll be a, a, a worry if it is a very, very serious injury in terms of will they come back as the same player. Um, but for Celtic, I don't think he was, I don't think, even though he's only originally there to January, is that right? I don't think he is really in their plans for this season. Um, I, I mean, I, I could be wrong. I think he's more looking at him um, for next season, which is, which is fair enough. Um, but no massive worries for them. <laughs> Nonetheless, I mean, a great win for them um, that will ease a lot of what, maybe what, what I said on, on Friday in terms of they could well get sucked in there I still stand by it because it is so tight at the bottom just now um, but overall massive loss if it, if it does come out and, and be confirmed that he'll be out for a, a, number, a number of weeks which which would obviously seriously dent that kind of mini revival that we might well see from Inverness You wonder if he is out injured for a, a substantial period of time and there's no kind of evidence to say that at the moment you wonder if he is the kind of player that Celtic will want to get into the club to get their own medical staff at it because I mean no disrespect to Inverness medical staff I'm sure I'm sure they're excellent but at a club like Celtic you're going to have more experts are going to have more connections that they can send them off to I mean you're talking about Scotland going down to London the other day um, you wonder if they will want to get him supervised by Celtic because at the end of the day Celtic have paid money for him he's a Celtic player if this is a serious injury 110% he'll not be doing any treatment in Inverness it'll be done at Celtic um, for the reasons you've just stated entirely um, and it's not, it's not a bad thing against Inverness you just need to accept that actually it's weird, but he's not your player anymore. Yeah, um, that's the thing. He is effectively a Celtic player on loan at Inverness. It's a weird uh, one. Cause you because he's been there all his life and uh, you think him coming through. But he's not an Inverness player, a Celtic player. Whatever they want to do with him, that's what he'll do. And I can 100% guarantee any sort of half serious injury and he'll be back down for treatment in Glasgow or, or wherever Celtic decide to send him. It'll not be done up up north. It's just not what would happen nowadays. I think, generally speaking, with loans anyway nowadays, I even know... Situations even down the championship where there's clubs, when there's even players who are loaned from old firm clubs and all that sort of stuff, they get sent back to the old firm club and they go for treatment purely because it, nothing else, probably going to um, make it quicker and speed it up um, because of the better facilities. Yeah, let's hear from Mark McGee after the match. Mark, uh, how do you assess uh, what we've just witnessed there uh, from your team? Well, the game got away from us clearly just before half time. Two goals, one a penalty, which you know it hit Mick's arm. There's no doubt about it. Um, but he wasn't facing the ball. Is that penalty? I don't know. Maybe the referee would tell us it actually is. Um, as far as retaking it, I think if there's any other penalties on tonight, I think you'll compare them. I'm no, I'm no doubt about that. And you'll see that in every single penalty we see taken, there'll be people inside the box. What's the rule? They're not allowed a foot inside. Are they allowed two feet? Are they allowed three feet? What's it? What is the rule? You know, if you step inside the box, 
you know, okay, tell us. It's, if you step inside the box, you retake it. But week in, week out, I've never seen a referee retake it. So, you know, that was hard on as I felt, you know, once uh, Connor made a great save. Uh, then a second, a, a deflection, just a little bad luck. And suddenly we find ourselves at half time uh, 2 nothing down in a game that, you know, really, at worst, we'd have come in at half time and saying, you know, we could have done a little bit better, we might have made a few more chances, we might have, you know, done more to kind of get a lead, but certainly not be down in the game. Um, we've hit the bar, of course, you know, so that kind of summed it up. Um, then the question was asked, you know, how they would react. Um, I didn't go half time, you know, raving at them. I think that uh, there was a lot of positives in the first half. So we took them out again, you know, suddenly we have 3 nothing down. Um, but they, they, they stayed at it, they stayed, you know, believing that they could get something back. They got a goal and they stuck with it and they were unlucky not to at least get one other goal and maybe not get something out of the game. So, you know, there's a lot of positives for me, and including the fact that 3 nothing down, the crowd stayed with us, which was fantastic, you know, because it took the pressure off the players and allowed them to keep trying. Yep, so we'll move on from, from that game now. A terrific win for Inverness, though. Signs that they are obviously starting to move up the table as they leap from Kilmarnock. Uh, final two games we've not touched on. Ross County 1, Celtic 4 and Hearts 2, Hamilton 0. Where do you guys want to start with those two? Just we'll, ra- let, we'll let you decide for that change, Hamish. I'll let you decide. We'll start with Hearts then. Um, Hearts 2, Hamilton 0 in front of another good crowd at Tynecastle. And I mean, Hearts just they just keep going going along very nicely. That's their fourth successive league win, and it keeps them in second place in the Premiership. Calm. Yeah, um, against a, a Hamilton team as well, which obviously we've all sort of been talking up and, and been surprised at how well they've been doing. Um, and I think it just shows really that whilst Aberdeen have been faltering, Hearts have kind of been going about their business efficiently, been doing well been consistent and now the debate sort of springs up about uh, whether, you know, I'm actually reading it here in the in the sun, if you like, about whether we think Hearts There can, are other newspapers there available. There are other newspapers available, yes. By daily record, if you like. <laughs> um, about whether, you know, whether we see Hearts sticking in, in second place ahead of Aberdeen. I mean, I'm not... What do you guys think about it? I think Willow... Was it Willow Floods out in the papers today saying that they're in a, a battle for second now Aberdeen they are acknowledging that that Celtic are away and it's between between Hearts and Aberdeen for me personally I just think it's a I mean this goes back to the start of the season when they went into that game when the two of them played at Tynecastle and Aberdeen demolished them but for me it's just it's a really exciting battle I think they're two very similar sides and their kind of their fan base and their the quality of the side they're two really attractive teams and I think there could be I mean, I don't know what value there is of finishing second in the league, to be honest. Not financial, but I don't know what kind of the whole kind of thing about finishing second. Is that a massive no, thing? I suppose it is I for would. it's best of the rest, I suppose, is what the big thing is. Yeah. Um but in terms of that, I think it'll be a really terrific battle. And I can it's see it going all the way. I think Aberdeen will just edge it because they've got experience at this level. I think Hearts have got a very new team, but I think it'll, it'll go all the way and I think the next couple of meetings I'm even uh, looking at maybe going up to Pataudry in a couple of weeks when Hearts are the visitors there because I think that'll be a, an absolute cracker. They're two really even teams, I think. It's momentum. Um, I actually think Hearts are going to take second. Um, I just think, as I say, momentum's an important thing and I think Hearts have just got this this real fortress at Tynecastle. They just look like winning most games. Obviously Aberdeen went there and won, but... I wouldn't, you know, Hearts have been relatively solid in the road as well. They, they, they've not been great away from home, but like they, you know, they went to Dundee United when Mixu's big kind of homecoming, 
um, spoiled the party. You know, they won one 0 pretty poor game, but they got a result. So that's a sign of a good team. And I think, honestly, I think they'll they'll finish second. I think Aberdeen have just obviously they won on Saturday, but I, they're just not the same team as they were at the start of the season. They've been a a fantastic addition to the Premiership, really. Overall, I mean, I don't know. I don't. Know, I mean, don't know if you feel the same, but I actually felt like they've been away for longer than a year in many ways. I think there was. I think probably because that last season everybody knew what was going to happen, they were going to go down, and then uh, there was this kind of. Then there's been a massive build up over the summer about Hearts coming back up, and credit to them. I mean, it's a great stadium, great atmosphere, strong team, and I feel they're slightly different from Aberdeen in terms of. You talk about Aberdeen having that experience, uh, but I just think Hearts have got that. I just find Hearts a bit more exciting um, as a as a team, yeah. the way they play, and probably it's because of the home ground, the whole atmosphere about it, and. Um, they've got the, the players like So with pace and Wanma and even Arnold Zoom who, who who's come Scott in recently. He looks a very very good sign, and it's testament to what they've done there that they're bringing these players in um, that are unheard of, but they're cracking players. I mean, you even go back to Zifuk last year, um, a fantastic addition for the championship. Um, I don't doubt he could have done damage in the Premiership as well. Probably the the whole pace of the Premiership. They're better having likes of a one man there, um, with this pace and the trickery, the skill and the finishing. But you know, fantastic overall. And you know, as much as they have brought in players, um, from out with, they've still got your likes of your McGee's, your Nicholsons, Walker, um, Walker, and players in there like that who are supplemented well. And it's a good balance between young, experienced, exciting, um, and international players as well. Uh, overall, it's a very strong squad, a talented squad, and I say that, and, and I mean squad, because they have good players there that can come in off the bench and make impacts, and that's what you need for a team that want to go and finish second in the league. What about Blabin's goal? I mean, he, did you see his reaction after scoring? It took him a while to realise that the ball was in, and he was kind of he was floating about. He wasn't, didn't really have a clue, but I mean, it was a cracking finish from them. I, yep. just, I just want to pick up unless you've got a point to bring in there, Ross. I think Michael McGovern should have done better with it. Stronger hand, probably. Yeah, I mean, you look at the one a couple of minutes later when Alexander pulls off a good save from the header. Mm. Uh, I mean, that that was more like maybe McGovern should be looking at something like that. What did you make of Carrollton Morris's penalty claim in the second half? Did you think that could possibly have been a penalty? I mean, Martin Cannon very unhappy after the game. Whether it changed the match or not, or oh, could have changed the match uh, is a different question. But the question I'm going to ask is, should it have been a penalty? Um, well, the referee was right on top of it, so he's got a better view than anyone. So I would, I would go with him first. Um, from what I've seen, it happened very fast. Uh, first view, and I th- probably thought penalty, but when you see it again, he's, you could make the argument that there was a, a dive in there, but I, can, I can't honestly can't really remember it clearly. I remember him going down. He certainly seemed incensed at a challenge, um, but I think Callum Patterson was very angry with him. Um, and he was seemed pretty certain it was a dive, so refereed a brilliant view of it. He was in a good position, so I think you've got to go with his call. Connor? I mean, you can't really argue what Ross has said there, um, but... I mean, it's You're agreeing with me? Shut up, you. Is that a refereeing decision <laughs> um, as well? But, uh, no, I mean, it's one of these ones. I mean, Hamilton will feel aggrieved, but... Has it been given against Hearts? You can always you can always tell from even Patterson's original reaction, like you've said, it would have been one that would have incensed. And again, you know, with, with the crowd that's all there and that, you know, um, it would have been a big call to make because you just never know what can happen in, in games. You know, with Hearts 1-2-0, yeah, but if Hamilton get a goal 
um, at any point throughout the match. You never know, they're, they're actually quite infamous for, for, for doing that, getting a couple of goals in games. Um, so it could have turned it, but you know, I think overall it was a game that Hearts were going to win. Um, and yeah, do you know what, penalty decisions are big, but I don't really think it had much... And who's to say he would have scored the penalty? Exactly. Yeah. Final game of the weekend, and it's quite fitting that I'm doing this right now because the League Cup draw has just been made uh, oh. for the semi-final. Don't tell me. I want, I want. Well, you can probably gonna... take it from what I've just said. It's quite fitting. All oh, right. Okay. So Ross, Celtic, Ross, Ross County, County. have drawn Celtic in a semi-final I'm... at Hamden. Was that ever happened before? Ross County Celtic at Hamden. Well, no, 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 we can't say Hamden. It will be at Hamden though. Right, but so we can say Hamden. It will be at Hamden. Uh, has that ever happened before, Ross County and Celtic at Hamden? Uh, Can't tell if you're looking for. <laughs> you are. Mm. Yes. Yes, yeah. Ross County beat Celtic 2 0 a couple of years ago. Uh, Fighting's first, get second game, something like that. For Celtic. Oh, so it was his first competitive game because that season was a bit of a write off when he that came was, in. That was, a day, that was the first time I'd ever been at the Falkirk Stadium that day. Sparky, believe it or not. Was it? Who, was. who were they playing that day? Are you kidding? <laughs> so, man. Oh right, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I, I assumed you were a Very football blank. fan and you were going uh, going to just see a game. No, no, that was in the Premiership. Uh, it was. Yes. Oh, how the mighty have fallen! What was the score? What was the score? He was one. He was one two nil. I think. Oh, was that what, free kick? Aye. Yeah, I actually oh. remember. There's Jeez the memories. There's the memories. Well, I remember Ross County two Celtic nil as well. Probably the worst I've ever felt after a game of football. Um, but it's good Ross County to get back to Hamden, the other semi-final of course, Hibs against St Johnson, which in its own way is a very, very good game. I mean, only two sides have beaten Rangers this season, so that could be, I think that's a really tantalising game. I'd be looking at going to that one as well. I mean, I think, I don't know what the crowd will be like, stuff like that, but I mean, if they play that, pick that in the right stadium, oh, what, what would crowd. you pick for, for something like that? Would you play that at Hamden? I'd probably play that at Hamden. Would yeah. you? Hibs will bring a good crowd, no doubt about it. St Johnson, they'll Hibs probably come out for the, the semi uh, Many had fans at the semi last year. Tyne Castle for me. I would Tyne as well, so. actually, because you look at previous games in Aberdeen played St Johnson, Tyne Castle. A few I, w- years I, w- ago. I would give. I would do the same setup as um, what they did for that game. Uh, I would give Hearts three sides and oh, Hibs. Sorry, Hibs three sides and St Johnson one of the stands behind the goals. Because let's okay. look at it realistically. Are they going to take much more than three thousand? Uh, nah, but do you know think you're better giving St Johnson one of the stands? Aside, I think just giving them one stand behind the goals is a bit unfair. You forget though with Tynecastle, that's about three thousand seats. I know, I know, but sell I think more. Well, the thing with St Johnson is, I think they'll come out for the semi final. I think you'll get fans, especially if they get the ticket and pricing right. But I don't think they have done in recent years. Mm. I th- oh, the League Cup. I think League Cup have done quite well. They've done Aye. like the whole fifteen pounds and no. I'm sorry, I'm talking about St Johnson fans turning out right in recent years. Well, I mean, I think I could be wrong. You probably know better than me. I think they're set by the four clubs yes. for the semi-finals. Well, four clubs well. in the SPFL, yeah. To. But I mean, there, there's not really as much as they're two really terrific games. Looking at it, four good teams. There's not really a, a kind of a game you think will sell out or anything. So I think they've got to be clever with the pricing. No, the thing is, financially, I think it probably makes more sense to do one at Hamden and one at, at Tynecastle because if you look at the way it's for the clubs. To hire probably Hamden two days in a row when it's not going to be full for either one is not going to be worth it. Whereas at least with Celtic, you're going to Celtic against Ross County, you're going to get at least what thirty thousand. I'd say so. Um, so that probably that merits taking Hamden. Then you've got your other game at Tynecastle. We can fill the seventeen whatever thousand seats there at the same price as what you're selling 
Hamden uh, so, four. It's a big, it's a big everyone's game. Everyone's pulled together and split before. Very interesting to see what kind of crowd Ross County bring when you compare it to Inverness, who, let's be totally honest, they, they were all right for the final, but that semi-final, bit of a disgrace for away support. I think it was a couple of thousand um, for a cup semi-final. It'll be interesting to see. I think Ross County, the last time they played Celtic, they had seven or 8,000. be interested to see what they bring this it'll, time. It'll be fine at Hamden. Um, I think, obviously, County... They'll bring a few. They won't bring a lot by any stretch of the imagination. But but the size of the club, you've you've got to expect that. Um, Celtic fans will turn out with a big game. Yeah. Um, as they do, it's the smaller games that they struggle with. But, but they'll I mean, they'll turn out for that one. Um, so that's not going to be a problem. Um, that'll be a hand and no worries. But I think it's good because it separates. The point was made to me that it separates Hibs and Celtic, and that means you might. Possibly if yeah, Hibs box won office final. a big good final, yeah, it'd be a really good final if Hibs got through. Um, I think on paper that Hibs St John's game, the more I think about it, I think that would just be a cracker. I mean, it's probably two of the informed teams in the league in the country, the country when you yeah. look at them. I just think that'll be a really, really good game. I could see that going either way. No, no penalties. Now that you've said that, I... no, I think I, I think it'll be. I think that'll be a real cracker. Yeah, the more I look at that, the more I'm, I'm tempted to go and look it. for tickets, especially if it's at a small ground like a. What? I can. Uh, East, eh, not Easter Road, obviously. Tynecastle is probably the obvious one. Rugby Park. Uh, Rugby Park's a shout as well. That's greater capacity than. Eh, we won't be there. No. Artificial pitch. Mm, true. True. Um, but I mean, where else could you have it? Because you're, you're looking at teams like Hibs and, and St Johnson, and you couldn't really, you couldn't have it at like Fur Park or something like that. You need to have a bigger attendance, and the only one you've got apart for that is Pitodry, and they're not going to move it up there. So I think it is. It's Tynecastle or Hamden. But going in form in recent years, and what they've done, tradition looking at it, with what, um, it was the Inverness semi-final, that was at Easter Road, when they were in League Cup semi-final, it was the penalties against Hearts, yeah. and then you've got Aberdeen last year, the form is, and it'll be at Tynecastle, I think. Yeah, I think that'd be the right decision. Anyway, the, the game we haven't talked about from the weekend was Celtic's 4-1 win over Ross County, uh, keeping this cup game totally aside. It was a, a good victory for Celtic yesterday. Is it further evidence that despite their feelings in Europe, they're just too good for everyone else in the league? Well, it's glossing over the, the cracks. I mean, they should be going to places like that and winning with the, the squad they've got. I think the problems lie in Europe. Um, they're going to win that league. They should win that league. It's You've got to be looking at doing trebles with this Celtic team um, <laughs> compared to... Compared to Are you alright, Connor? Sorry, sorry. So I think, while Sparky's dying in the corner here, I think you've got to, Celtic have got to be going there and winning, it's not a surprise to me. Um, fair play to them, obviously a decent response after Thursday night, but their problems lie in Europe, not in not in Scotland. To be fair, I think as to much as I would have expected Celtic to win that, um, it's one of the tougher away g- d- days in the... In the Premiership, and as much as as I said, you would think Celtic would up there and win. I don't doubt Ross County would have thought we can keep this level for, you know, good bulk of the first half, maybe a wee bit of the second. They would have fancied their chances to get something like that game. I mean, I do generally think that, and it's nothing against Celtic, is because of how well Ross County have done recently that they would be going that game thinking we might be able to make a point out of this. I don't think it's as a foregone conclusion as as it's you've quite made out there. Um, I think that you can't argue going up there. I never said it was a foregone I said they've done well. <coughs> on a Sunday. A Sunday, again. a Sunday afternoon, sorry. Um, 
at that, an awkward time and, and after hey, what was that about for Europe as uh, well? well was it Matt reckoned or Lewis reckoned on Friday that it was because of the, the Remembrance Day stuff in Dingwall that it was at about 2 o'clock or something that's the reason the game had been moved that's interesting aye are we touching on the Remembrance stuff the I, don't, I don't think so because I mean I, I think every year I, just, I mean we talk about the football we didn't touch on the EBT stuff uh, last week at Rangers because we like to keep it to the football I mean I think everybody knows the the idiots that every year disrespect it are exactly that they're idiots and to be honest I mean Celtic put a statement last night uh, going on about I think how, it's been how, covered I think we can they're not going to deal with it so aye just move on I'll just keep my counsel on this issue I think also on the EBT thing but that's mainly because Lewis isn't here and he's been very vocal, especially on his Twitter about that. But anyway, sticking with the football. So Celtic's defence um, really faltered again yesterday. A, a goal, they gifted Ross County a goal. I mean, it's all right scoring four goals, as you say, Ross. But I mean, that one goal you concede could be the one that kills you in Europe, and it has killed you. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the defensive frailties throughout the season. Um, I think Stevie Thompson pointed out last night, they're clearly missing Denier and uh, Van Dyke. Oh, he's a genius for spotting that. Aye, well, clearly it's it's there. Um, I I just don't see why they've not acted on bringing in some more quality. Um, I think the boy Semyonovic. Uh, lo- I, I know you're saying he's a decent player, but I, I just the, the problems lie throughout that team. There's there's players who haven't been performing this season. Um, you look even out with the defence. You look at Gordon's not been as good this season. Um, which in my opinion probably comes from having a changed defence every week in front of you that you know make mistakes uh, yeah I mean he still he still made a, an absolute wonder save against Aberdeen uh, last week and I, I don't know if you've seen the, the one he saved from the header yesterday uh, yeah. like a top top save he's still a great shot stopper I just think you find consistency in front of him yeah, and I liked when Simeonovic and Boyata, as much as Boyata's been talked about, Simeonovic seems to calm him down. Those two played two games against Dundee United and Aberdeen, and they looked really good, actually. I Boyata thought, is dire. I, I honestly don't understand. I, I disagree with you. I think, he's had a, I think he's had a terrible start to his time. I actually don't think he's quite as bad as folk make out. I, I, he just, he's so panicky in the ball. Honestly, like, you saw the pass that led to County's goal. Um, yeah. that he put out of the pitch just completely unforced and just bizarre um, it was just completely it was very you know if you'd done that in a junior game you'd be getting absolute pelters um, if you'd done that at boys club level you'd be getting pelters it was very very poor um, he's clearly low in confidence the thing I think as I've said when you put him next to Simeonovic I think he calms him down I think when you put him and Ambrose together it's just a recipe for disaster I genuinely think if you have a back four of Lustig Simeonovic uh, Boyata and Tierney I think you've got the makings of a half decent back four there and that's my honest opinion mm. um, on that what do we make of Tierney been left out of the game yesterday Callum did you, do you think it was a clever decision from Dalek my own personal opinion was that he should probably be playing his best player who is his best player by a mile at the moment in every game or do you think he was right to kind of rest him and take him out of the, the kind of firing line <coughs> sorry it just uh, it depends really I mean you can either look at it one or two ways with young players. You can do that and you can keep their feet on the ground as such um, and, and not make them, you know, not play them each game and then keep them hungry to keep wanting to per- perform and do well in training and keep them going. Or you can keep you can continue to play them um, 
if they're good enough, I, I firmly believe that should be the case. If they're good enough and they perform, and they do perform consistently, which is difficult for young players, especially young players just coming into a, a team um, and obviously a team like Celtic. Um, so it's it's an interesting one, I think. Um, I from what I've heard from obviously from yourself and and Lewis and the sort of the other Celtic supporters on on here is uh, that you would rather have him him in there than than Izaguirre at the moment. Of course you would. Of yeah. course you would. So. I don't know. Maybe it's just Dyla showing face with a, with obviously Izaguirre who's been there for a while now and and saying you know they're just trying to breed a wee bit of competition because I think one thing that you often hear managers talk about is the fact that when you've got competition for places that's that's usually a very healthy thing um, within a squad. So I think you might just see a, a case of it just rotating if you like and 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 depending on game by game scenario I think he'll, he'll probably make a decision on who he wants to wants to play there's certainly something in the fact that he's resting them for these tough away games he rested them yesterday he rested them for the game at Tynecastle a few weeks ago I don't know quite what it is but, but I mean it's, I, up I to, it's up to the manager I'm sure if he was given the choice whether to play in a Europa League game at Celtic Park or up at Dingwall I'm sure he'd be picking the Europa League game but obviously at his age he's wanting to play every game Um it's probably a smart move, Bedila. Um, I think he's just, he's just keeping trying to keep players fresh. Probably. I think it's probably just a case of maybe not too much too soon for yeah. him as well, and just as I say, just keep him hungry and, and want him to to keep fighting and performing well for his place. And I might I might say, what has happened to Stefan Johansson? He's just he's, he's just completely bombed this season. Isn't he? I wish I knew. You know what I mean? I, he, did, he did the so same. He did the exact same last season, though. The exact same. He started the season off so poorly, and then just when it got to like Christmas time, he just turned into this class player. I don't, I don't know what what happens to him. Uh, I made the point. I think he will come good because he's. You don't go. You don't go into a, a bad footballer overnight. It does seem that way, but I, I think mm. he will come good. Uh, but at the moment, he's he, he's nowhere. He shouldn't be in that first team. I mean, you look a player like Tom Rogic who's just playing out of his skin at the James moment. James Forrest as well. James Forrest, great yesterday. Some assists for Griffiths maybe, goal. Maybe the the kind of forest haters will go into a wee dark room last night when they see that performance because he was uh, he was absolutely excellent and I don't think there's another player in that squad, including Gary McKay Stephen, that could do that. But then again, they'll they'll probably uh, be quiet and they'll be happy to to have a go at him the next time he plays. What are you saying, Connor? You're saying you're, you're not a fan of him. You're not a fan of. Well, I mean, I, I think overall. I just think that in many ways that it broke on the scene as a, a great young talent. He's but been unlucky injuries. Yes. He's been unlucky injuries. I just think that overall that he's not excelled the way I thought he would. And I just think that in many ways, I think Celtic could have wanted to get better in there. I don't think he's... he's I've just never really been that impressed with him when I've seen him recently. He'd be the first one to tell you that, that he's not excelled. But I mean... He's he's an easy guy to have a go at, and I thought he was terrible when he came he's on on Thursday game. night. But I mean, when he's on his game like yesterday, he's just a joy to watch. I mean, he terrorised Ricky Foster, absolutely terrorised him. I think you've got to look at him being unlucky with injuries. Um, he's not had much break over the last few years, so I think he has the ability, without a doubt, to become a good player. Uh, well, he is a good player just now. But from a Scotland perspective as well, you've you've got to be looking at him for the future. Um, He's still young. He's he's clearly got ability, without a doubt. Um, so I think he's he's a good young Scottish talent as well. So yeah, I think he's I think he's improved a lot. Um, even his final ball, I think he's improved as well. Uh, still a wee bit frustrating at times, but no, I can definitely see an improvement on him. 
Yeah, Connor, do you want to run us through the, the championship action from the weekend? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, in many ways, much of a muchness at the top end of the division. Um, obviously, Rangers are a great victory for them. Uh, and one that, you know, it's, it's the goals that, is, that makes it that bit better. You know, everyone expected to be Aloha, but getting goals, confidence back from, obviously, the, the dent at Easter Road the week before. By all accounts, just to jump in quickly, it could have been a bit. It could have been a lot more. However, my stupidity prevented me from being there. But um, I, by all accounts, it could have been more. We played some nice stuff, but there was just a bit of a lull after we went two and a lot, and we didn't really press on, which is not a concern. But in um, Lobbin Lake, yeah, I think. Well, I think it was kind of correct in the second half. I think we upped it quite a bit. Um, apparently, Zelolem was was fantastic. I've only seen the highlights, um, but. It's um, yeah, it's, it was just good. I think we always knew we were going to win that game, but to come back and to get four goals, some really well worked goals, some a cracking uh, Taverniers as uh, especially was was a fantastic free kick. So to do that is um, is very important, and really happy with that. For, for Alawa, they were organised. They worked tirelessly all afternoon. Went down to, to the ten men. It made it very difficult for them, but they're compact and solid behind the ball, and it is it is a difficult task. And we kept moving the ball, as you saw. We maintained width. We tried to break through. Bam Mackay was very unfortunate, and lots of chances in the second half. But delighted to get the fourth goal for the fans. Very pleasing, and all round a, a good a good afternoon's work. Where we go from that, um, we've got to take the the attitude and the application, you know, and that commitment that we showed today, and we've now got to take that and. And, 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 and breed and confidence from it. We heard from Danny Lennon just there. Uh, Connor. Oh, Danny Lennon's voice. Aye, I know, it's, it's brilliant. brilliant, isn't it? You just want to read you a story, don't you? <laughs> Aye. Uh, his former club, St Mirren, thumped by Hibernians. Sorry, Ross, we were all there at St Mirren Park. It was a decent crowd, I thought. Really good crowd, considering where St Mirren have been. Uh, but it's... Uh, I mean, Connor, you, you were tipping St Mirren to get a result on Saturday. How, how do you feel now? <laughs> How do I feel now? I mean, no, I just felt that overall they had a decent chance because of the the, the games that Hibs have played recently. But it's credit to Hibs that they, that they managed to get the result, um, and, and a decent one at that. Um, but I mean, St Mirren, it's just I keep hearing about how they had good spells, and I could say that I could obviously the good first kind of 15 20 minutes, first half. I thought we were um, the best team, I mean, but obviously. The week before the Falkirk, they had a good spell at the start of the second half, but they're not making anything of these spells really, um, and it's and that's the downfall. You know, you need to take advantage of it, it, it being on top and staying on top. We went, I mean, we went one 0 up, um, and deservedly. I think you'll agree with that, Hamish. We were, we were a better team in the dominate, first. Dominate the first fifteen or so minutes. Yeah, um, I think we looked good. Um, deservedly took the lead, but then it's just. It's just poor mistakes. I mean, McGinn manages to skip by about three or four Aye. defenders and plays a ball in. It's a still don't know if it was onside or not. I just look at it. I mean, maybe it's the camera angle isn't great, but I just can't see how he wasn't offside. That's like, what I was going to say. I mean, I I'm, I was going by the reports I was getting Aye. in on on my phone, and I'm thinking uh, some fans are claiming for offside, blah blah. And I seen it, and I thought, well, how the hell is that not offside? You know, I mean, I mean but we, the must. I think you could really tell for that. We angle. were right in line with. It. Uh, I didn't quite catch the, the incident. No, your dad thought it was onside. He well, I think he thought it was I. Um, but it was one. Of the, what are you smiling at, Sparky? Not just Is that the the referees alliance right there. Well, he's an assistant. So, <laughs> but no, I think. 
it's difficult to tell first viewing, but um, obviously Linesman's only got one view as well, so I think very tight. But I mean, there's there's mistakes leading up to that from us, so I, I'm sure they'll be looking at them. Um, second goal, we switch off completely from the quick free kick. Very disappointing. Third goal, Jim Goodwin gets out muscled by John McGinn. Yeah, um, absolutely bossed off him. Don't know what happened. Just very poor from Goodwin. You saw him punching the ground afterwards. He was raging with himself. Webster was raging with him as well. You could see that. Um, you could see players blaming one another. Yeah, that was something oh. I wanted to pick up on. There was a bit of that, I think, between Langfield and at Baird, Baird. the centre half. Yeah. There, was a, there was a bit of that after one of the Hibs' chances, and it's not what you want to see. And you were commenting on the fact that Ian Murray was nowhere to be seen while that was happening. Yeah, um, it was interesting to see that. They'd, you've got to be. Even your captain, you know, you, you, somebody's, your senior players, Goodwin and Thompson, have got to be dealing with that, telling them just to go on with it. I think it's, Baird's obviously a young guy, he's going to get wound up at these things. Um, but Langfield, whatever, I don't know what happened, I think they were just looking at one another as a scapegoat. Um, so yeah, disappointing overall, but you've got to take some positives in the fact that we started so well, scored a decent goal, and I think at 3-1, um, Shankland's got a, a decent opportunity that they had supposed with. Um, it was a good strike, but it's one of these things. If you know, it's ifs and buts. Um, I mean, what a god awful position they've left themselves in now. I mean, seriously, the next clue is coming up. I mean, if Morton go and take, I'm not going. We're not going to be in the relegation playoff. I just don't know how. No, we won't. <sighs> we'll, we'll finish like six or something. Mm. I can't. I can't. We'll, we will pick up. We will pick up. I can't you see you look at it and Morton are nine points ahead. Yeah, I know you've got a game in hand, but it's just really... I mean, I was a bit taken aback. There was good stuff they played early on, St Man. They moved the ball well. I thought we played well the whole game. I thought our passing was good. Um, we moved the ball a bit well. We created some decent opportunities. Um, I thought we played well, but it's, it's just in the whole. It's the end product that's the problem. Um, and I think defensively there's clearly frailties there that are being exploited week in, week out. Yeah, uh, Connor, your own team, I know you're itching to get onto them. No, no, I mean, it's not a win, isn't it? I mean, you go... It's too much of a No, I mean, you go to these grounds like Wraith Rovers, who I have to say, in no uncertain terms, that's one of our toughest away games this year. Um, when you look at the, the team behind us, it was uh, the proverbial six-pointer in many ways, and we got through it. And that's the difference. I mean, we, we lose a goal earlier on in the first half and terrible goal to lose. Real lack of communication at the back. Um, but that last time, sorry, this time last year, we would have crumbled at that. Uh, we wouldn't have come back from it and the best we would have got was a point. But we fought back and there's a real steel and determination that we're going to pick up the three points and that's what we did. Um, so, no, fantastic. I mean, John Beard again, he's on some he's on some form. Well, that's five goals in three games. Mm. Double figures for the season, so you know everything's going really, really well at the moment. Um, we've got a great gap now in terms of being above the the, the rest. It's up to six points, and yeah. to be honest, I don't think that's going to get cut really now. Um, and and now the the next challenge and the next aim um, is obviously to see well where can we take it from here because we've got two thirds of the season to go, um, and obviously. Still got to face Rangers and Hibs three times again this season. Um, we've shown we can beat the rest, so you know what? Let's just see what it, what it takes as we end up. I mean, it is a wonderful position you're in now, as you say. You compare it to, sorry, Ross St Mirren, who, as you're saying, were in a, a terrible position at the moment, eighth in the league. Falkirk are just the opposite. I mean, six points clear of the rest, and you don't look at anyone else there. 
and think that they're going to mount anything. For me, Wraith are going as good as they've been at the start of the season. That's a big defeat for them on Saturday and also the week before against Hibs. Those are big results two weeks before, sorry. Two big results for them. And you look at the rest of the league, Queen of the South, I don't see really been a big trouble. Morton have been inconsistent. Livingston have only just started winning. And then St Mirren, who you're the one thinking could maybe do it, they're 17 points behind you. I mean, that they're gone. Exactly, it's, it's been horrible. a horrible one. Seventeen points. It's been an incredible start. I mean, don't go wrong. I mean, we are thirteen points better off than we were this time last year, just now, which I think shows you how far improved we are. Um, you know, we've not made massive changes, but as a team and with such a, a, a tactically, I mean, I, I know people have got their opinions on Peter Houston, but see, for a, a club of, of Falkirk size, you're not going to get a better tactical manager. Than, than Peter Houston I actually um, agree I mean he's a manager who won the, Cup, the Scottish Cup with Dundee United this is it I mean he's got so much experience he's Scotland assistant manager yeah. uh, he did so well with Dundee United in the Premiership obviously tailed off a bit at the end um, and what it shows for me is um, the knowledge and experience in the game it's now not just overcoming the teams below us but he knows how to set up um, against the, 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 the bigger teams in the league he got wins against Hearts last year and Hibs um, and that that's evidence for me, you know, his contract's up at the end of the season. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what his position is on that. But, you know, for a club like Falkirk, let's be realistic, you're not going to get a more experienced, intelligent, tactically sound manager. And I actually just hope that this year we, we, we go and, well, we're going to get the playoffs. And it seems bizarre that I'm saying this and being confident enough to say this now. Um, but... <laughs> I hope we go and do something. I really do because I think, as a club, over the last five years we've rebuilt from the bottom. Financially, we're in a fantastic position. Um, academy, great, and now we've got the players. It's just disappointing in many ways. I feel that Falkirk were ready a year too late. You know, um, had we been ready before, just a year before when we were missed out in the league by but two points, had we just been six months ahead of what we were, we would have been up in the Premiership by now. And I, I know you can't predict these things, but I do generally think with what we've got there, once we're up, we'll be fine. But the hardest thing is getting out of that league, and I just hope this year we, we're actually going to do something. And you know what? I'm not going to say we will, but I, I just wouldn't rule us out, because I think what we've shown is we can beat anyone on our day. To, just to compare Falkirk and St Man, I think it's, it, there's a clear difference. I think Falkirk are going into games like Wraith Rovers, you know, and they're winning them. And that's just the complete opposite of St Man. We've still not won a game at home, which is absolutely dire. Um, Falkirk deserve to be where they are. Um, and St Man also deserve to be where they are. We've, we've got to try and pick it up now. Um, and Morton game's going to be massive, obviously, a week on Friday. But I think. I'd love to see Stuart Gilmer keeps going on about his two-year plan. I'd love to see at what point we're at in his two-year plan. Is that, is that Morton game, could that signal the end of Ian Murray's time if he if he loses that one? I think I know the answer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, I think the fans, I mean, we were, some of the fans' reactions behind us, it was more venting the frustration at the officials, to be honest. Well, but I mean, there was well, a lot towards Murray. Yeah. But if you lose to Morton at home, considering how poorly you've played and the fact we would move Morton probably, depending on this week's results, probably 12 points clear... Well, I the think, thing, I think the Murray thing is, would be gone. The thing is, I think it's more at the things Murray's doing. You know, his substitutions. You saw on Saturday 
when Scott Agnew got taken off the Gallagher as well yeah the response that he got I didn't think Gallagher had a great game um, but Agnew I thought Agnew was one of the ones who was actually performing I'm sure you'd agree he he, yeah. was, he had a decent effort right at the start mm-hmm. um, he was passing he was the main man in the midfield and for some reason he was taken off and I, I don't really see what he's Murray's seeing that we're not seeing as fans obviously he's the man in charge and the man that makes the decisions but He's got to look at it a wee bit of sense that he's your main creative spark in that game, so why take him off? Yeah, the other two games, Connor Morton won, Livingston now and Queen of the South won, Dumbarton now. Anything we can really take from those two games? Um, I think overall they're probably wins that I'm not expected, I, I, I wouldn't say quite as much for, for Morton um, because of, well, you would, not the start of the season, but they're, they're home wins for them and they're wins they'll be looking to make if they want to have any kind of hope of challenging for, for the fourth place, which I do think both of them are in. You can't argue with that. They're only, is it two points uh, between Morton and Wraith and a point between Wraith and Queen of the South? Yeah, it's 21 Wraith, 20 Queen of the South, and 19 Morton. It then goes down to 10 with Livingston, St. Mirren, and, and Dumbarton as well. So, so, I mean, you could be looking at those teams. I mean, you could be looking at Wraith, Queen of the South, or Morton for fourth place. Exactly. I mean, albeit they've played a game more. But Wraith, um, that's a couple of weeks in a row that they've not performed to, to, to standard and that could be a slight dip and this is the chance where a team like Queen of South and Morton need to take advantage of that. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> just you reading out those tables there, it sparks my mind even more. I just don't know how we can't say that St Myrna are in a, a battle down here at the bottom of the league. Mm. There's 10 points now a difference between your teams that are going for the playoffs. I mean, that is... I mean. Extraordinary. The, really. re- the reason the th- I think St Mirren aren't in a battle is because I think Dumbarton and Allo are so poor. I think mm-hmm. Dumbarton, I've seen them twice, and I know they started the season well, but since then, you got, they won their first three games, Dumbarton, didn't they? It's, They've it's had a- one point in their last nine games. That is that is relegation material. Allo have five points all season. It's up to those St Mirren to take advantage of that. Because <laughs> I'm in no doubt St Mirren are better on paper probably than the vast majority of teams in the league. But they're not getting the results, and we're already in what coming up mid-November. The guy behind us hit it in the head. We've, we've got good individual players, but it's not as a team, team yeah, it's not a team. exactly, it's dire. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, what do you want to talk? League One, we'll move on. Um, there was, I mean, let's stick with my boys, Stennis Muir. Two, right, two weeks in a row, two wins, wins in a row. Kick us off with that one. Then mm. that was Dennis Stranraer. Tough place to go, isn't it? Oh, I mean, sure, <laughs> uh, now seriously, I mean, shows you though. Put a striker in there, like Jason Scotland. Okay, yes, he's he's had his better better days, but he's he's at quality for League One, and there's two wins in a row, um, and already they're now knocking the door for a playoff place. You know that that's the difference. You make one sign in that league, and it'll get you right up there. And we all know about the battle at the top between Aaron and Fairman, which we're going to talk about, but. For a team like Stennis Muir to go down and beat Stranraer and, and beat Peterhead 4-3, come back from 3-0 down the week before, that's a form of a team that are going somewhere and I think they deserve massive credit for that and things like this will go unnoticed because in genuine there's, there's and this is no disrespect to a team like Stennis Muir but there's far bigger teams in Scottish football that will get far more coverage. Um, but this is the chance where we can kind of point that out and say, well, you know what, there's two wins in a row and, and they might just be going somewhere and as much as League One seems to be taken up by that race at the top, there's now a wee race forming for those playoff places. Well, we will talk about a random Fermlin because I think for the second week in a row, both of them failed to win. Well, I, I often did, talk about... Did they win last week, sorry? I think he won last week, actually. Aye, sorry, they beat Stranraer last week. For the second week in a row, Dunfermline 
have drawn the second for. time they've drawn no no. See the thing for me is I often talk about football is you know you can play well but when you get teams run about you you need to take advantage of their mishaps and their mistakes. When you're aiming to do something, you're aiming to jump up a position, you're aiming to get a playoffs, get a title, you need to be there, ready, 100%. So see that when that team is on the top, you exploit that. Now, you can argue Air have done that this year. They've, they've kept going, they've churned out results, um, and have battered some teams as well. Yeah. But they've, every time them Fremen have slipped up, apart from this weekend obviously um, they have taken advantage and jumped themselves back to the top league and that's why they're there just now um, for Dunfermline that's disappointing you know to, 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 to draw but you do still think that on the balance of the two teams they, they will be the ones that, that, that claim it in the end but only if they stop giving away stupid you know losing two points here and there because what they need to realise is here and there <laughs> uh, but what they need to realise is that they are in a battle you know Air aren't going to go away um, and that's credit to what Ian McCall's done there but you know they will challenge them right to the end I think um, it'll not be what we all predicted at the start in terms of running away with it I even said it um, and it's interesting because maybe that's kind of a kind of falseness in the mindset of Dunfermline players and fans and all that because they were told un Doubtably, you'd win this league by twenty points. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's not going to de- happen. Definitely not. I mean, I was uh, to give the famous club Damara a wee a wee bit up here. I was chatting to uh, one of their players on Saturday night there, and he has been told. Or he told me that uh, Ian McCall is telling his players they can win that league. Which I mean, you'd think Scottish. you'd think it would be a given, but it's the fact that they genuinely believe they in their to. in their camp that they can take them Dunfermline, which should be. Let's be honest, Dunfermline were massive, massive favourites going into this league. As you say, that'd be a massive uh, chalk for anyone else to win it. It's just, it's incredible looking at here. Like, where they were last season, you know, right down the bottom, fighting. You know, if you were to say it, what, what were the odds in the air to win the league at the start of this season? Tens, I think. Aye. I, I do still fear for them in January. I've said it so many times, if they lose their, in my opinion, two of their better players, Preston and Moore, who could possibly be going back to their clubs, I would fear for them then. Uh, but then again, Ian McCall's a guy who has contacts, and I'm sure he'd be able to get another low knee from a Premiership club. Well, we talk about Peter Houston at Falkirk, uh, being experienced, and is that probably the best man they can get? See, Ian McCall, uh, yeah, he can sometimes be a bit of a novelty character and all that, but for Air United, are they going to get a better, more experienced tactical manager? Probably not. No. Scottish manager, down there in League One, First job back in the game after how many years? But do you know what? Seeing that time he was out of the game, he still has all these contacts. He was going round grounds all every contacts week. Contacts and specs sales. Um, he was going round grounds every week, doing his punditry. Do you know what? For United, it's probably actually a very good fit. And it's clear that to the board there that took a chance on him because it'd be easy to kind of you McCall and know him this time, mm. you know, young guy or something a bit different. But they went with experience, and I often find. And in leagues down the bottom in Scottish football, you know what? Experience is the best way to go for it. You see it with individual players getting results, and you see it managers getting results. And it's testament to what he's done there over the summer, other than the position that they are. Question yeah. is, if if uh, St Mirna to lose Ian Murray, do we go for do we go for Ian McCall? Well, yeah, I think he'd be a name that would be mentioned certainly, but I think there'll be loads of names as well. Mm. Loads of them. Sir, Sir Alex returning to his, his first club. Nah, we sacked him. He's no up to it. Yeah. 
so elsewhere, League One, we had a win for Airdrionians, 3 2 away to 4 4. Didn't really see that one coming. And the final game, much to your disappointment, Ross, Albion Rovers and Cowdenbeath was called off oh, after about, what, 10 minutes for, for rain. That game will now be played on Tuesday evening. So if you fancy a bit of Tuesday evening football and you want uh, you want to see, I mean, let's be honest, Albion Rovers going really well. Cowdenbeath are a team that's improving as well. Four points from the last six games, including a draw against Dunfermline. That game, I'm told the first 10 minutes was epic, so if you want to get along on Tuesday and watch 90 of them, uh, go did for that. They, did they postpone that game and then put it back on? Well, I don't know. It's been played tomorrow night, but I don't know if it's no, Saturday. I, mean, I am convinced that when I was going through to, to Starks Park on Saturday, it came from my phone that that game was postponed. So did they postpone it and then decide to start it and play 10 minutes and call it off? I'm pretty sure it came up that Albion were winning one now. Or a wee bit in the dark. Nobody's got a clue. It came up on my phone anyway, cancelled. Aye, but did it not say that Albion Rovers had scored to make it 1 0? Mm. Who did you have in the coupon? Albion Rovers. Oh, gutter. But Dunfermline gubbed you anyway. Anyway, League 2, we're running out of time, so I'm literally going to batter through these results. Arbroath 1, East Fife 1, Berwick 1, Stirling Albion 2. Sorry, sorry, can I just interrupt oh, you? God, God. That game didn't sell it too much, there's another pitch inspection. <laughs> All right, <I'm> <laughs> night. <laughs> well, check your Twitter to see if the game's on and then go because I, I think, as I say, it'll be a decent game. Clyde actually won a game, three uh, one. They beat Montrose, who've so been going really well. For me, quickly, result of the season, result of the season, result of the weekend. East Stirling two, Queens Park one. That's my result of the weekend. Better than, better than better than Elgin three and two. A good one as well. I mean, but El- the difference for me is Elgin have been going all right themselves. I mean, East Stirling bottom of the league to beat. I think Queen's Park are fifth or something, but they're one of the better teams in that league. Uh, but it's a good weekend, the League 2 action. Um, I'm going to push you quickly for your team of the week. Uh, start with you, Sparky. <laughs> well, I'm Silence is deafening. Um, well, to radio it, silence. Do you know what? I'll give the, I'll give these guys a say here. We've got no, because I've been told. I, I, I'm only saying this because of who he's telling me to say. I've been told to, to one of our fellow panelists here that's in the studio to say Falkirk. It's Kelly Cal. I don't think not. so uh, personally. Think but there so. we yes, go. There we go. That's coming from somebody else. And <laughs> team of the week for me, Inverness. Um, yep. As much as it pains me to say it, you've got to look at Martin as well. Another win. Three wins in a row. Yeah, exactly. Uh, got a decent home record there as well. Big losers then. St Martin? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go back to Paisley on my windy stand. <laughs> I said Martin for Team of the Week and St Martin for... <laughs> um, yeah, St Martin possibly or Dundee United again. It's going to get into every the every usual week, suspects in many yeah. ways. We seem yeah. to have winners, losers that are fairly similar most weeks and the losers tend to be Dundee United. Thank you for your time then guys, that was a, a kind of quick round up of the, the lower leagues there, we'll hopefully maybe a bit more in depth in future, it's just there was so much to talk about, we gave credit to St Johnson, St Johnson were a big team at the weekend, I suppose they'd have to be up there as well in terms yeah, of I was going to say St Johnson. Good result for them, well done St Johnson. Um, thank you very much for joining me, we've had Connor Park, Ross Clark and Callum Fisher, believe it or not, has been here as well. Uh, <laughs> I've been, I keep getting digs out, but last week it was reasons, he's not here for reasons we all disagree with and now... No, that's it's yeah. Sure. Apologies, mate. Um, we'll be back on Friday. Yes, Friday. Yes. Looking, I had to think about that there. Friday, looking ahead to 
the weekend's action. Um, Sparse weekend's action. Yeah, but I think we're going to make it the lower league weekend and we're going to put all our efforts into the lower league and we're going to make it a good one. Um, so we're looking forward to that and we can always preview good old Ireland's game against, uh, who are they playing in Bosnia? <laughs> so, I will um, die, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if Celtic could put a wee tweet. Mm. Mm. Having that conversation yesterday. But anyway, move on for that. Thank you for joining us, guys. Thank you for listening. And we will speak to you on Friday. Take care.